Hey, I'm Rick Orlando. I'm on the Big Mouth Pharmacist podcast because I'm a big mouth chef, uh, partner at New World Bistro Bar in Albany. You may know I own New World Home Cooking for 25 years, podcasting, writing, and hanging out in Woodstock, enjoying all of you and enjoy this podcast as well. My biggest pet peeve about nutrition is that I encounter so many people that think there's a panacea for everything. There is one panacea, and that is relax, eat clean food, and enjoy your life. It's not how much you achieve in life, it's how you live your life. So live your life with pleasure and get pleasure from everything you do. Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil, I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Welcome back to the Big Mouth Pharmacists. That's me, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist in Big Mouth, ready to cook up something good for you here today. But before we get into the episode, don't forget to spread the word on Mountaintop for me. Tell your friends, your family, and even your enemies all about what we're doing. Subscribe, get us five stars on iTunes, and after that, you can go back to trashing everybody on Facebook. Check out the other stuff I do on woodstockvitamins.com. And speaking of Woodstock, today's guest is Rick Orlando, celebrity chef, author, restaurateur, and Woodstock native. I hope you're not hungry. You might just eat your hand off if you're not near food. Uh, yeah, this episode is Coyote Awesome. Uh, Rick and I share a love for eating Woodstock, pot, and healing, so I had him come in and discuss all of the above. So let's get right into the well-seasoned meat of this discussion. All right, so we want to talk about weed? I like weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you been to dispensaries? Because like, uh, you travel a lot. Yeah, so. I've been to one in Massachusetts. It's yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's a little befuddling if you're not like briefed. It can be pretty overwhelming, but the yeah. people are helpful. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't travel a lot, but every city I go to, I try to make sure it's a legal city. Mm-hmm. And I get to check out all the different dispensaries. And it's like a whole freaking new world, man. Yeah. Like, uh, especially, you know, I had some pot in college, of course, and it was such a weird process to get it. And now you can just walk in. Like, Are we rolling now, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. we, yeah we, we don't do anything official. Good. Yeah, this is a very laid back kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we, um, I just think it's awesome. And uh, the accessibility of weed is great. And there's lots of edibles that you can buy. But I prefer to hear from you. Like, how do we make weed into something that we can uh, eat healthily? <laughs> well, let me give you a little background. I'm old. <laughs> And when I was in high school and first discovered weed, yeah, we're talking 73, 74, 75, yeah. there was a book called A Child's Garden of Grass by a guy named uh, Margolis. And it was a handbook for marijuana users. Very cool. You should check it out. It's hysterical, first of all. It's right, really at, funny. At this point. But they had um, instructions on how to cook weed in that book. And yeah. I learned how to do it a million years ago. Right. Um, and he decarbed in a skillet, just mm-hmm. crumbled it and lightly toasted it. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I ever made with weed from his book was something called Honey Slides. Okay. Which um, back then, I think it was a Hamilton Beach blender, but something to grind up. You toasted your weed, ground it up. And weed back then was different. It was mostly leaves, right? some seeds. And you took a tablespoon and dipped it in honey. And then you sprinkled some of your coarse, like crunchy, kind of funky tasting weed then you put a little more honey on it you turn the spoon upside down put it in your mouth and sucked it right off right and you were high for the whole concert 
Very nice. So it was an easy way, yeah, quick. A, yeah, you could do that on a campfire stove like, yeah. like, while you're tailgating. Yeah. Um, I, I read a lot about the science of weed and, and cooking it and, and decarbing and, and, you know, THC and THCA. And there's a lot of benefits to everything in weed besides the psychoactive effects, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I do two basic formulas for cooking with weed one is uh in fat mm-hmm. usually butter i'm a fan of butter i like the fact that butter is super stable over long periods of time um the omega-3 grass-fed butter the omega-3s are really mm-hmm. high it's not high in omega-6 like some of the other oils that people use and i think we have way too much omega-6 in our diets way too much so you know i'm a big fan of butter and vegans can chase me but <laughs> butter is butter is king mm-hmm. and um i make green butter from mostly upper leaves mm-hmm I don't think, unless you want to get really f***ed up, I mean, mm-hmm. really like high and, and blind. And I think that edibles do that to people, get you too high. Yeah. I got a story later for that. Yeah. The upper leaves are fine. They make a delicious flavor. Yeah. Um, and you get a nice buzz. And mm-hmm. so I have two butters in my house, indica mm-hmm. and, and sativa. Right. Sativa. Depending on the kind of party you want to have. Well, I... Never sativa at night because it mm. does like unless I'm watching a lot of movies and want to stay really alert or political debate like last night. Mm. Um, I'd want to sleep through that. And and I I'm going to challenge some of the thought. And I read a lot of forums, and I'm not alone on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think if you're doing a fat soluble butter yeah. can of butter, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to decarb it. Okay, I've yeah. never I've never had a problem in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. Two twenty. Six to eight hours. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. People say to do one-to-one ratio of butter or fat, coconut oil, mm-hmm. to um, the weed, but I do about two to one. Right. Because I don't want it that strong. Right. If I want more, I'll have a second cracker. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like whatever, you know? Yeah. I like to have a little control over it. And um, a funny story, about 10 years ago, we took our staff on a Hudson River midnight cruise for like a thank you summer gig for them right and one of my cooks made brownies and they were good and Mm -hmm. there were 30 of us and my wife and uh our manager at the time a woman named karen don't indulge in weed okay so they were the only two who didn't eat brownies Mm -hmm. so we all ate these brownies around nine o'clock 9 30 we were really psyched going on a boat we're gonna get really high it's gonna be great my wife will tell you this story we sat (laughs) on the side of the boat staring at the Hudson River you can't see me folks I'm sorry but we were like zombies right and my wife said what's wrong with you guys and we're like oh we're having a really good time this is great too high yeah you know I mean I like being high I don't like being low I agree and that's the CBD component too much of that I I have a story too I went to Las Vegas for a bachelor party weekend and it's legal there Mm -hmm. so we partook the whole time and everybody's like what's wrong Neil you're not talking I don't understand what's going on with you Mm -hmm. and like that is not the town for marijuana uh, right. at all, especially those, no. because it's, everything's just going too fast. Unless you just want to sit and look at the lights. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the idea of cooking with weed is great, because, and you're right, like I, I enjoy the idea of instead of using it as a part of your dish, using it as like 
an oil or a butter that mm-hmm. th- is then applied to stuff. I've seen recipes with marijuana as a barbecue sauce for chicken, you know, because of the, the mix. Yeah. But yeah, you have to separate it. Um, it's an oil. It's, it's an oil-based thing, mm-hmm. so you have to pull it out. And um, there's new machines now, The uh, you know, the magic butter machines. Have you heard of those? I, I looked at them online. Yeah, they're pretty a, fancy. Yeah. Like you just throw in, they use emulsifying agents like lecithin. Mm-hmm. So you just put a little bit of that in there, some healthy lecithin, not the stuff extracted with hexane. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, you put it in your machine and then uh, you filter out the leaves mm-hmm. uh, and you have an oil that's left. And then you can use it to do whatever you want to dilute it down to a tincture mm-hmm. or you can you know mix it with alcohol, a grain alcohol, or you can turn it into butter or something like that. That's interesting. It, it's super cool. And like yeah. those guys are scientists. They're rocket scientists. Right. So if you're not, mm-hmm. a crock pot works. Yeah. And they're about 49 bucks. Right. <laughs> and, you know, um, and the house smells pretty good. I mean, right. I actually like the aroma. You know, I was reading an article that said, oh, if you don't want to have that horrible smell of cooking marijuana, I mm-hmm. love that smell. Right. It's a beautiful yeah. smell. I mean, I love herbs, all herbs. So to me, right. it's beautiful. And I think that when you do do it in fat, you're still capturing the THC mm-hmm. and the CBD. Mm-hmm. They're all fat soluble. Mm-hmm. And um, it is it is, it is is nice. But yeah, overly potent is not a good thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have little eight ounce containers of butter in my freezer. I right. give them to friends. I'm right. Like, go easy. You know? Right. Yeah. Because, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Again, if you wanted to zombie out, right. that's fine. But I like, you know, quarter teaspoon, like an espresso spoonful in the morning. I'm ready to go. I have a great day. I right. feel good. How long do you think uh, before life is where your restaurant's serving some marijuana dishes? You know, obviously, how long after we're legal before? I don't happens? know. I mean, well, as soon as it's legal, we will. In the minute it's legal, but I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there was a time off the record. Ha ha. Yeah, right. <laughs> Back in, you know, mid-2000s when I made my first Green Dragon mm-hmm. that we secretly kept it behind the bar for right. certain customers, right, exactly. you know? The, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, we thing. had the green teeny that we made with green tea mm-hmm. and uh, and organic vodka and a few paid an extra 10 bucks we put a drop that's really great. don't tell anybody i won't i'm only kidding because we do that with oxycodone too so no i'm just kidding yeah well the restaurant's (laughs) closed um but that's the other way that you can get um really good benefits of all of the plant right um is through tincture yeah and there are two different methods of making tincture one is of course to uh, decarb it um but i have found to have really good like again, moderately strong results by literally taking some bud, some leaves, um, and putting it in a mason jar and covering it with Everclear, 190 proof alcohol, right. and putting it in a cool, dark place, shaking it every three or four days for three or four months. Mm-hmm. And you capture everything from the plant, and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of delicious, you yeah. know? Um, and that's like making whiskey. Yeah, and that stuff, um, and again, I've read a lot about decarbing before you do that, but also time will do it. The 190 proof alcohol will decarb the alcohol, but it takes about 60 to 90 days. Right. So you kind of put it away, and then you have this really potent 190 proof beautiful green dragon that you can dilute, yep. or you can put a few drops in your food, like if you're making a, a stew. Right. And you're going to deglaze with wine. You deglaze with a little wine. You put your vegetables or meat or whatever you want to put in there, your stock. And you add a few eyedroppers full of that into there, and you'll give everybody a nice little evening. They'll definitely eat dessert after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. So are there any other, like, uh, kind of recipes that you've used the the marijuana butters in or something like that that you've said, oh, wow, this takes it to a whole other level? Well, taking it to a whole other level 
flavor wise mm-hmm. yeah i mean mm-hmm. i cook i have a there was a post in the woodstock times uh, last year i think on 420 <laughs> and one of my favorite dishes i like to make is um a new orleans style they call barbecued shrimp which is they're not really grilled they're cooked in a spicy lemony black pepper herby butter sauce you know mm-hmm. So I like to use my green butter in that because then you get these shrimp that are shell on. And one of the best parts about eating barbecued shrimp, because they cook them whole, is you pick up the shrimp by the tail yeah, and you suck all that delicious, spicy, salty, lemony, herby, rosemary butter off like between the feet and suck the head and all that. Then you peel it, you dunk it back in, you eat it again. And then you take a piece of bread and you mop up the butter and you get all these flavors because... Well, shrimp are um, ectoskeletal, mm-hmm. so the shells are the bone. Sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you cook the shrimp in the butter, the butter gets the shrimp flavor as well. That, and people who have eaten my, we call them uh, Cajun peppered shrimp, super popular. People still write me for the recipe. Yeah. Put a little butter in that, and you've elevated it because suddenly you've got this amazing, delicious dish that also makes you high. Right. Um, the other thing is, it's really good for brunch. Um, if you're making a little hollandaise sauce at home, okay, you put a little can of butter in your hollandaise sauce, okay, <laughs> and that's a delicious thing. And if you put some uh, an herb that will kind of disguise the flavor of the butter is tarragon. Okay, tarragon's got that beautiful sweet anise flavor, nice right. perfume. So like a Bernays sauce, right? For put, the people that are a little bit more gun shy about the pot smell and flavor. Taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I I think it's a good flavor. I think mm-hmm. it's dangerous flavor because it's so damn good. So it's, yeah, I, yeah. You know what? It's like the skunk part is horrible but the aftermath i yeah. think is my favorite part of the smell you know yeah and and the skunk is what is the skunk i don't know i mean you know what is the skunk uh, <laughs> why is it so skunky i mean again i i i grew up in the 70s and 80s when weed was a bag of seeds sticks leaves buds yeah frankly i have a friend who grows weed and mm-hmm. gives me her leaves mm-hmm and that's what I smoke. Yeah. Because I get real, I could still like listen to the Pixies and drive out to Cooperstown. You know, it's like, it's like the old days. You can roll the joint and smoke the whole joint with two people. Right. Not like take a hit and say, good night. Well, that's just the thing is like this dispensary marijuana is quite a whole new endeavor. That's what I wanted to hear. Because one of the things I, I when I talk to the Woodstockers, because I'm new to this community, I'm only here for like 10, 15 years, right? So the... I didn't grow up in all of this crazy. Funny that you say ten or fifteen years. You're new to the community. <laughs> yeah. The Woodstock immersion, <laughs> for sure. Like I mean, most of our customers are seventy fives. You know, the aging hippie gets mm-hmm. the drugs from us. So you, you know, and they've experienced it all. They were here during all of that fun stuff, and uh, you know, that's the big conversation is like how intense everything is mm-hmm. and there's a it's really funny because a lot of these guys they grow their own stuff you know yeah. and they're making it and then they're doing all of the science experiment stuff at home so all right so let's stop talking about weed for a little bit and let's talk about other herbs so we'll go from herb to herbs so what you know we sell a lot of herbs in uh capsule and tincture form of course and mm-hmm. concentrates of the more pharmac- pharmacologically active components but you're using the whole th- plant for flavors and such but they're still going to confer those health benefits absolutely yeah so and i to be honest with you that's what i prefer well yeah and i think i mean i'm not a scientist Mm -hmm. but i do think that a lot of the benefits of herbs and there are many benefits and every herb has different benefits and we can go on and on about them Mm -hmm. um i do think that they're conveyed into your system in a really holistic way through eating them with other fats proteins and acids right i mean your body 
And this is, I'm an armchair, uh, I guess we call it botanist, food, food, botanist, mm -hmm. food philosopher. Mm -hmm. But I do believe the holistic way of consuming, consuming things holistically is the way our bodies are meant to absorb things. Very much so. I, mean, I take a few supplements, don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on some of them because mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to eat a hawthorn plant. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> for instance, you know, uh, my doctor, Randy Risman, used to crack up because when I first went to him, when we first opened on Zena Road in 1993, mm -hmm. did a physical, mm -hmm. took my blood pressure, took my numbers. He said, eh, they look pretty good. They could be a little better. They look pretty good. 25 years later, the year he retired, because I had been going every year, he laughed and said, let me show you something. Your numbers from 25 years ago to now are like 1% different. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Um, so I, I, you know, I, and Hawthorne was one of the keys. Hawthorne's the, your, your gig, yeah. 120 mm -hmm. over 80 blood pressure for 25 years. Good for you. Hawthorne mm -hmm. every day. It really is amazing. And yeah. I, I got my father on it. And mm -hmm. But as far as cooking with herbs, I study food from the world. Mm -hmm. And some of the most vital people in the world are from the, I guess we call it the equatorial zone, right? From yeah. like the Mediterranean down to North Africa, South Asia, and they all believe in lots of herbs. Have you ever eaten Vietnamese food and they just pile, you know, Thai basil. Thai basil is, is fantastic for you, right? For your mind, mm -hmm. cleansing cilantro for your liver, mm -hmm. you know, mint um, helps you relax. It's a blood cleanser. They pile herbs on their food. India, they use tons of herbs. In the Caribbean, you don't find so much herbs thrown on food, but like sofritos are really popular. My stepfather's Puerto Rican. He grows cilantro. He grows culantro. I'd say 80% of what he eats has a sofrito in it, which is garlic, onion, bell pepper, and cilantro in a, in a paste that you kind of pan fry. That's pretty much the elixir of life right there right. when you think about it. You For know? sure. There's your all the vitamins. Your allium, you know? Oh, yeah. So um, that's why I'm, maybe, maybe that's why I don't make bland food. Right, because of the herbal influence in your life. And yeah, I, and I, I agree with you. I feel like the far, almost pharmaceutical because, you know, let's not fool ourselves when you're putting stuff into capsules and taking it, whether it's got a leaf on the front of the bottle or not, it's a pharmaceutical agent. Yeah. The pharmaceutical use of it is almost like a bastardization of the benefits of herbs. You know, um, we're we're pulling out the most important things. We're concentrating them to get the, you know, the biggest bang for your buck. But I'm concerned like turmeric is a big one, and I mm -hmm. want to talk about that. I'm sure oh, you've yeah. got lots of stuff. I have so turmeric thoughts is, on that, too. Yeah, turmeric's huge, and um, it's very beneficial. But I tell people the reason that it helps for inflammation, especially at those pharmacologic doses that people are taking, 500, 1,500 milligrams a day, it's it's uh, working on those same exact pathways that any of the traditional anti-inflammatories mm -hmm. use. And the problem for me is that those traditional anti-inflammatories we know will increase your risk for heart disease. So much so that every single one of them has a, a warning, like you can't use it long term, you yeah. know? And so now we're gobbling down turmeric pills thinking that it's natural and it's safe, but we're taking it kind of out of that real benefit, which is when you eat it. When you eat it, when you include it into your food, you're getting that anti-inflammatory benefit, um, uh, you know, uh, in that more uh, reasonable uh, dose, I guess. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I have... Um these little pictures that float by on my webpage that were quotes. Back in the day when I had a lot of externs from the Culinary Institute, they had to give me, a, they didn't have to, but they gave me a little present at the end of their 400 hour externship. And mm -hmm. one guy gave me a t-shirt that said, you have to anticipate the opening of the clam. And I said, why'd you give me that? 
He said, because every time I was cooking a, a seafood stew, you would say, anticipate the opening of the clam to cook it properly. So that started this trend where guys were making me T-shirts. And one of them I got was, the peasants are always right. <laughs> because I was explaining to someone in making an Indian, Indian dish mm-hmm. that over generation and generation and generation of people who had no internet, a lot of them didn't even really read, mm-hmm. they figured out how to be the biggest, strongest, and healthiest they could be from what they had. Right. No biohacking. Yeah, right. <laughs> no there stupid was, forum. There, right. There was no you know? forum. It was like yeah. this village didn't put turmeric in their spice mix, and mm-hmm. this village did, and they won the fight. So <laughs> we're going to eat what they eat, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, not just necessarily a fight, but I think that cultures instinctively, through trial and error, figured out what makes them bigger and stronger. That's what human nature is all about, right? Yeah. So, so many of those foods, when you travel, I was just in Sicily, I was in South America, the foods that people eat intrinsically, mm-hmm. and of course, they've been infused by, not so much in Italy, but in South America, by fast food and stuff, which is wrecking them. It's disgusting, isn't it? Oh, my God. And that's a whole, we can get into that, oh. too. But the food that they eat, their, their traditional foods, their traditional diets, mm-hmm. are really the best diets. And because they use spices and herbs on a regular basis, that is synthesized with proteins, synthesized with other aminos Mm -hmm. that their bodies understand. I really am a true believer in the intestines being the key to life, right? Oh, yeah. And and your intestines understand things, you Mm -hmm. know? I have this thing about eating raw kale. I'm not a fan. I make make a great kale salad, Mm -hmm. but it's relatively oily and it has i put goat cheese and cashews and fats in it yeah because from what i've studied mm-hmm. most of the great minerals that we need to get from green things mm-hmm. when they're bound with fat and this is from the history of how peasants eat yep they your body had processed them more slowly mm-hmm. and gives them more time to absorb for sure you think about kale or collard greens or any of the, the good the good healthy greens and think about the people around the world, those people in Eastern Europe that drink vodka and live to 110, or the African-American lady who smokes cigarettes and lives to 100. How do they cook their greens? They, you never, ever, ever in the history, and I've read so much food history, have found raw kale, raw kale in salads. any of their diets. Yeah, exactly. Raw kale is roughage. Mm-hmm. You want it in your poop? Eat it raw. Right. There's nothing wrong with roughage, and there's nothing wrong with eating something delicious. But we you don't... could you could eat a wicker laundry basket and get the same effect. Well, again, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that every time you eat, you have to be planning your next day of existence of you know health. Sometimes yeah. you just eat. You yeah. know, it's like I'll eat a kale salad. I'm not against the kale salad, mm-hmm. but it is certainly not a panacea. Yeah. When you cook those greens, mm-hmm. it's almost like decarping weed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You cook the greens for a long time. I've my grandmother used to make escarole and beans. She lived like ninety three, <laughs> back when there was no medicinal anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there was mer- mercury and that would right. Kill people, yeah, mercurochrome so. on every cut. Right. <laughs> yeah. She. Um, she would cook escarole for hours. It would turn like almost pale nothing. Yeah. But it, it was with beans, mm-hmm. usually a pork bone, mm-hmm. stock, garlic, yeah. onions, carrots. And talk about like a usable form of getting the minerals. I was in Puglia, Italy about 10 years ago on a slow food thing. And we went to the slow food event, and there, it was a certain season. It was fennel, it was broccoli rabe, it was chicory, it was all these great things. And this one chef made a pasta 
with broccoli rabe that he had cooked until it was almost melted, almost like pesto. And it was really delicious and sweet. The sweet flavors came out. But I said to him, you know, wise-ass American from Woodstock, I said, wow, you really cook the rabs a lot. They're really delicious. I'm really fascinated how good they are. But aren't you worried about cooking all the vitamins out? He goes, I don't want vitamins. I want minerals. I want minerals. <laughs> and I said, but you're going to cook all the vitamin C out. And he just points out to the field, and there's like 30 lemon trees. Goes, right. You want a vitamin C? Get a lemon. <laughs> it was a really interesting change in my brain right. about understanding how to cook vegetables um, and how to get the nutrients from vegetables. Even in Asian cuisine, people say, oh, the Asians hardly cook the greens, but they're always with a lot more fat right. than you think. Use the oils. Yeah. A lot more fat than you think. Part of my, And that actually goes to another point. Part of my re-education with people when I'm trying to teach them how to eat again is the idea that you can't just have a single type of macronutrient for a meal or a snack. Just eating vegetables isn't really healthy. It's eating vegetables with protein and fat mm -hmm. that completes it and allows for a greater satiation over a longer period of time. And, you know, I don't even understand food as much as you do. So the, the idea of, you know, pulling out different nutrients and such. And uh, so do you, I, I just had a thought while you were talking. So you're on the road, right? And you're doing all this crazy stuff. Just imagine like a busy day for Rick Orlando. Has there ever been a time where you're like, I'm going to get some fast food, some hyper-processed garbage? Absolutely. Okay, good. I just wanted uh, to make sure that you're not like spending hours on every single meal that you're doing. And no, as a matter of fact, I, uh, one of the things I, I do, I speak sometimes mm -hmm. and I spoke to... Um, uh, Who are you speaking now? Yeah. <laughs> to people. You are people, aren't you? Hey, hey hi. people. Um, one time I did a presentation, I think it was, it might've been Ulster County Mental Health mm -hmm. uh, had me do a, a little talk. Mm -hmm. And I talked about our relationship with food mm -hmm. and how pathetic it is in America. Disgusting. Right? Mm -hmm. Bizarre and pathetic. And some of the people who, to me, are the most problematic are the ones who think about it all the time. Right. Because mm -hmm. anxiety is worse than chocolate bars, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, right? So... You have to make terms. Uh, Gilda, the movie Gilda with Rita Hayworth, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, not Gilda, um, Lady from Shanghai, one of one of mm -hmm. the great, great uh, uh, Orson Welles movies. When Orson Welles, who's the young, strapping boat hand, who's trying to have an affair with Gilda, who's the young, beautiful wife of the old, nasty, crippled uh, attorney, says, "Why do you stay with him?" And she said, "You have to make terms. You have to make terms. You have to make terms on how you eat. Right? right? You can't indulge yourself." in junk mm -hmm. and junk is there for a reason um it pulls you in uh, michael Pollan, uh, his in his book cooked a fascinating fascinating book on how, why we started cooking food and what how it's developed over over centuries must read for anybody who thinks they know about food talks about um fast food and mother's milk very interesting when you uh, cook, fat, well, fast food has um, a lot of uh, little sugar, a lot of sugars in it. Yeah. A lot of sugars in the bread, and um, it also has a lot of salt. But what it has even more are glutamates, right? Monosodium glutamate, which is processed glutamate. Mm -hmm. Mother's milk is very high in glutamates and mm. very high in sugar, mm. and it's kind of like offhandedly theorizes that why people go back over and over for fast food is because the components in their brain and their DNA and the back back part of their brain is saying this is like mother's milk to me right which is very scary but very interesting yeah but when you cook 
certain things slowly, onions, carrots, mushrooms, browning meat, browning fish, any basis of slow cooking, you develop glutamates. And you also bring the protein sugars out by caramelization, which again is mother's milk. So we all come back to the same thing. We just want to be back on mommy's teta. It's all ki- That's all there <laughs> That's is to not, it. I'm That's all we me. really want. <laughs> oh, wow. This we may not of, know that. Yeah, psychologically, <laughs> this has turned into an Oedipus complex uh, well, discussion. Well, it, 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 sort I'll bring, of. I'll bring my shrink in. The, uh, the, the idea, though, of um, like these comfort foods and like the hyper-processed garbage that we eat... Um, the other thing about food, like you're saying, like the overthinking of it all, mm-hmm. that's another paralyzing thing for people. Oh, I think so. I think it's it's absolutely, I would have, I mean, you know, I'm pretty upfront and always visible in the restaurant. You know? yeah. So I had a restaurant for 25 years in Woodstock. And yeah. Woodstock is a unique community. Yeah. To say the um, least. It's a, it's a great community. I'm really, I love being a part of it. I love being here, but it doesn't mean it's not whacked. I'm whacked, so I fit right in. <laughs> but, uh. I used to joke and say I was the Dr. Ruth of food. People would call me out to the table, all the, tell me about their colitis, tell me about their liver. <laughs> like, what, what, what can I do for you? Right. You know, but I think that, um, yeah, overthinking as opposed to just keeping it simple mm-hmm. is really bad for you. Yeah. I, I know people that worry. I have a friend, we go out to dinner once in a while, and he's a great guy, but God damn every single think i should eat this how much of this should i eat uh well i'm only going to have one glass of wine because it's good for my heart i said well then you're not enjoying it right and and enjoyment mm-hmm. and pleasure mm-hmm. release all these great brain chemicals sure you want to keep your heart rate down stop worrying mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean again indulge in eating junk food all the time that's not what i'm saying what right. i'm saying is Make smart decisions, but don't be so stressed out about it. My God, it is right. so exhausting to hang around with people that all. And because I know about food, it's like, the, oh, chef, you know this answer. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you want to have a hamburger? Have a, have hamburger. a hamburger, right. Try yeah. to have a grass-fed hamburger. That one's not grass-fed. Don't have another one for a couple of months. Just eat that one. Don't yeah. eat it with guilt. I mean, anxiety and guilt, the two things, right, that kill us faster than and cholesterol yeah and and so i call it dietary jenga it's yeah. a jenga machine we take all the foundational stuff and we put it at the top and we we're more worried about grass-fed and gmo than eating enough protein right mm-hmm. than eating proper amounts of vegetables and fruits um so i even tell people bland is okay because if you start talking about recipes and the complicated nature of that i mean that's really the big problem here is time mm. it's just that we don't build into the day time for enjoyment, time for cooking, time for any of this. People barely plan, so they're just out the door without eating breakfast, and then they're just grabbing whatever. And so, like, you know, you have tons of recipes out there. Do you have any examples of some things that people could do uh, that would be nourishing good food but isn't uh, doesn't require hours of preparation and labor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cooking quickly is, is I think, the secret to eating well. Mm-hmm. I think that the place where you need to spend time is not so much in the kitchen, mm-hmm. it's in the market. Okay. Uh, when you travel, especially in Europe, again, in Chile, Peru, where people love their food and are relatively vital, mm-hmm. the buying of their food is the most important thing they do. Got it. Um, I think that we've been enslaved in America to our work. People are still on their phones, emailing, and 
you know, till 10 o'clock at night. You know, in France, they passed a law that if you get an email after your work hours are over and you log in, you have to get paid for that work. Right. We are just slaves. Mm -hmm. So what I encounter often, and I do these cooking classes every, every month for 30 people in Albany and 10 people in Kingston, is I talk about going to the market regularly, not mm -hmm. stocking your refrigerator for the month. Going, And we're so lucky here. We have Sunfrost. We mm -hmm. have Adams. We have... Story Farms, Davenport's, all these great places. If you can change your brain into thinking that this is not only a pleasurable part of my life, but kind of living therapy, talking about shopping, yeah. versus it being a chore, yeah. it will change your life. Right. Go to the, I mean, if you go to, let's take Italy, for example, because I've been there plenty of times. Mm -hmm. People don't eat big breakfast. Right. A little cup of coffee, maybe a little pastry or something, very light. Lunch is the big meal. Mm -hmm. They eat like animals would eat in the woods, right? You eat big amount, <laughs> then you sleep during the sunny day, right. then you go back and work for a bit and then have something light for dinner. You don't mm -hmm. eat a big dinner. Um, every town has a market every day. And people buy what they're going to make for the meal. And that's it. You don't, you don't, I mean, you keep olive oil and some canned tomatoes and olives and things in your pantry, but the, you don't have these chuck full refrigerators of vegetables that are sitting there for like a week. Right. So our mindset in America is that shopping sucks. So we try to get it all done at once. Grocery shopping sucks. Yeah. Everybody likes shopping for every other You go to, you go to Sam's Club with, you know, you get 700 uh, pounds of everything. And if you could think differently about that and you buy a piece of fish and you buy maybe some broccoli rob or some cauliflower and you've got some rice at home and you've mm -hmm. got a stick of butter and a lemon and, and a bunch of basil, you can have dinner ready in 30 minutes mm -hmm. without thinking twice about it. My wife makes this beautiful salmon dish where she puts the oven on 275, rubs the salmon with olive oil all over and sprinkles sea salt on it and puts it in the slow oven. And while it's cooking, she makes basmati rice and we saute some vegetables. And it's like a fantastic dinner. Doesn't need a sauce. The salmon is like butter because it's cooked slowly. And it's a 20 to 30 minute thing. You should be able to make dinner in 20 to 30 minutes every day, but you should have fresh, delicious food mm -hmm. and take advantage of the places that we have around here and don't buy more than you need. Right. And certainly don't buy your food from Quick Check. Do you know there's people that eat lunch and sushi and stuff at gas stations? Rick, what's going on with this world? If you, uh, so sushi. Again, again, I'm old. I wrote a book in 2002 called We Want Clean Food. <laughs> and in that I wrote about why we eat at gas stations. Well, from 2002 to 2019, that is probably, I don't know, 500 times more people just eat at gas stations. So disgusting, um, especially in the South. It's especially here. Yeah. Here, man, it's unbelievable, you it's know? It's culture, too. Like, they're hanging out at the gas station. You see that whole scene? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's an interesting thing, because we were just talking about this the other day. I was down in New Haven, where I grew up, mm -hmm. uh, talking to some guy who has restaurants, and Nobody really, the, the idea of going out to lunch in America is totally changed. When I first started in the, in the restaurant industry in the early 80s, lunch was the thing. Everybody went out to lunch and got cooked food, whether it was a greasy spoon diner, a fancy restaurant, nobody ate at their desk. I yeah. mean, there, there was always a few brown baggers, but the idea of going out for lunch, having a glass of wine, mm -hmm. having a nice piece of fish and that some vegetables. freaking awesome. And relaxing. Well, I don't think we were any less productive back then. Definitely not. And, and <laughs> all, we were, the, all we were, the information shows that you can be extremely productive with a more relaxed lifestyle. That, yeah. That's what's crazy about everything. Yeah. So, you know, the panic that, you know, I, I, gotta, I, can't, I can't take time for lunch. Right. You know, the downtown restaurants. So I'm in Albany three days a week. And um, I lived in New Haven, lived in New York, lived in Boston. Yeah. 
the the idea of downtown restaurants not being full for lunch or people waiting in line, gra- calling in advance, grabbing something and running back to their office is a sad state of affairs on our, our mental approach to eating, which is basically your psychological approach to life. Right. If, if you don't prioritize eating, mm-hmm. I don't care how many times you go to the gym. Right. You know, I mean, it's like not, you wouldn't put garbage in your gas tank. Right. Because you paid a lot for that car. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't put garbage in your in your fuel oil, you know, to mm-hmm. heat your house, but you put it in your body to save what, 20 minutes. Right. Chill tops. So Chill they, out. Yeah. Chill and, out. and the, you know, the other parts are, you know, besides that, the psychological connection to food is like their stress response. People look for those comfort foods. They, you mm-hmm. know, they're not planning. So you had uh, touched on something that I want to talk about again. Let's talk about olive oil in this country. Mm. We have uh, one of our customers, an olive oil importer, and I hope to have him on the podcast because he has the whole science behind it. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on it? Like, uh, I think it's crappy, but. The olive oil that we get, yeah. Well, there's you can get good olive oil in mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people don't understand olive oil, yeah, and they cook it too hot, too long, too fast. And what's the point at that point? Yeah, right. I use basic oils in my kitchen, so I use olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, Would, can you mind sh- shouting out the brand that you use? Well, the one I get is not available retail. It's called Corto. It's California olive oil, Got and it. it comes bag in box. Gotcha. Because mm-hmm. light. And heat are the enemy of olive oil. Mm-hmm. So people see these bottles of olive oil in clear glass, and look at how green it is. Well, it's mm-hmm. already dead at that point. Right. So I always recommend buying it in, in you know, smoked glass or tin, depends mm-hmm. on how fast you use it. Um, we get uh, a couple from Italy for finishing oils, like the finer oils, Madre Sicilia. There's a few other brands that we get. Um, I do trust the Greek olive oils more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to it when I was at the Slow Food Conference. I talked about... Greek olives are essentially grown organically. They can't use a lot of uh, pesticides and sprays and processing oil stuff there because there's so many islands and they can. So the Greek olive oils are, are more highly rated. Um, but you're not going to save if if you're using olive oil to be like healthy. You spend the extra three dollars, four dollars, and get course. a good quality imported olive oil. Don't buy the supermarket brand, you know. Um, but there are a lot of other oils that are really beneficial and are non-GMO, and there are ones that are really bad. And yeah. Oils that are never in my kitchen. Soybean oil. Okay. Canola oil. Mm-hmm. What is a canola? I don't know. I know cannolis. <laughs> That's, are they related? <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> Cold-pressed cannoli oil. Well, at the same time, what is a sesame? You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> besides Sesame Street. You know, right. That's all I know. Does, uh, so does the seed grow up to be an educational center for I, children? I think the sesame is the way you get the carpet to fly. Um, <laughs> and and I, I, we never use canola, and um, we never use corn oil. Right. Even though corn oil in its essence is a fantastic oil, right. it's been so bastardized in America, worse than olive oil, because it's all GMO and crazy. Yeah. And we do use sunflower oil. Okay. It's good. non-GMO. Mm-hmm. It's a good high heat oil. Mm-hmm. Um, we use coconut oil. Yep. I use avocado oil at home a little bit, but it's it's for the restaurant, it's it's, it's just like kind of a, a diminishing return because it's expensive and the sun, sun, sunflower oil works good. We fry in sunflower oil at the restaurant. Okay. But I'm really psychotic. And when I made the deal with my partners in Albany to serve a particular level of conscientiousness in our food and also meet a particular cost to make a profit, we switched to sunflower oil, which costs essentially double of what regular fryer oil is. But we change the oil every 48 hours, every two days. Right. And to me, that's where bad oil versus good oil is really the problem. Mm-hmm. 
It's an extended heating periods, right? Mm -hmm. You change you change the fatty chains, and it turns oxidized. It's not oxidized, it's turns out into of an it. oxidized mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when people say fra fat, fried food is bad, here's a good one. Mm -hmm. Everywhere in the world where people are really healthy, in Sardinia and Sicily, where they have the most centenarians uh, uh, in the world, in Asia, they fry. Yeah, a lot. But they don't fry in deep fryers mm -hmm. with chemical, non-foaming agents added to. GMO soybean oil that's been sitting in a deep fryer for 10 days, 15 days, 20 days, being heated to 350 and being held for eight hours at a time. That's where frying is bad. Aside from processed pre-breaded food, where you can- Of course. Get, but like, again, my grandmother, both of my grandmothers, both Sicilian, they got kids to eat vegetables by frying them. They would take cauliflower, zucchini. I love zucchini. They just flour it and oh, yeah. fry it and serve a little tomato sauce on the side, sprinkle some cheese and lemon on it, and you'd eat it. Eggplant. You know, that's part of the the core of so many diets that are healthy are lightly fried foods. Right. But again, it's not deep fried in processed oil. Someday we'll do um, an expose. We'll go to a food show where, like, the big companies, the big food distributors have all their stuff yeah. with the people who represent them yeah and they'll say oh this oil will last for 48 days you know and you look you know or i have baked goods that are good for you know 48 you know 15 days that's where it really comes really hurts and and speaking of oils and baked goods when you stop eating trans fats which means bad oils right it could be those are the worst foods to it, eat it could mm -hmm. be it could be in in a fryer but it also is in most of your cheap breads and butters and and butters yeah. mm -hmm. and baked goods, right? especially baked goods that are made without butter. Right. So when you stop eating them, which I have for years, and someone brings me in a muffin from the store or they'll have a thing or a donut, I take one bite and I literally have heartburn like by the time it hits my, my stomach. Yeah. Because my body's like, what is this? Yeah. And people eat it all the day, all the time. That's why my, my stock portfolio is basically Tums. Uh, <laughs> you know, because as long as they, but no, yeah, because people will always eat that, right? Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, it's so bad that when you stop doing it and then you do it again, I mean, I used to eat bran muffins all the time as a kid. Mm hmm. And then I got a little older and stopped eating trans fats, or, or for the most part, I mean, listen, no one's a saint, everyone gets one somewhere, but I try to avoid fat, trans fats, and I eat a bite of a muffin. I, I won't even eat them anymore. I go to mm -hmm. these little breakfast business meetings, and they have hostess baked goods out. I just, uh, I just have coffee. Thank I know, you. I know. can't even put it in my body. It's not even worth it. Like, if you find, like, a real authentic bakery where they're doing their Oh, they're, and they're yeah. out there, artisanal yeah. stuff, sure. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, all butter scratch bakery, as they say. Right. But as far as olive oil goes, again... Buy smaller amounts. Mm -hmm. um, try to buy it in a tin. Mm -hmm. um, you can go online and read which ones are fake, which ones aren't, which ones are fake olive oil, which is versus which ones are misrepresented on the label yeah. as where they're from. Yeah, that doesn't really matter to me. Right. If it from. says packed mm -hmm. in Italy, but it's Tunisian oil, mm -hmm. so what? Doesn't matter as long as it's not all vegetable oil. And right. It's really yeah, olive yeah. oil. Yeah. And you can sense. you can tell real olive oil when you, once you've gotten once you've tasted it. But mm -hmm. you know you can buy um, some of the great imported. Italian oils or some good Spanish oils, but again, a lot of some, the bigger the brand, mm -hmm. the more likely that you're going to have uh, bootlegs, bootlegging, and then also there's private labeling of small stuff, so you have to be careful for that. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It's a hard one. To, it's a hard one to say. It's very difficult. I mean, to... I, we use Leo Hori at home a lot, which is Greek, which yeah. is organic. What about Spanish oils? I heard that they're a big exporter. Like. I, we, one of the, the misnomers is, is that Italy is this great exporter of 
of, uh, of olive oil. In fact, they're, they're a huge importer. Like I think they only um, get like 40% of their supply comes from internally and the rest of their supply comes from other places. The supply Spain. that we eat here, not the supply they eat there. Okay. The majority of the oil they use there is grown there. They export, they, they import Spanish oil, blend it with theirs and ship it out. Got it. Portuguese oil. Uh, Spain is, in a lot of ways, one of the breadbaskets of, of Europe. I mean, so much. But a lot of it has to do with uh, what the EU did. When the EU formed, they designated certain areas as growing as suppliers for the whole EU. And Spain got olives, red wine. I mean, you know, Spain is a massive producer of red wine, of, of cheap red wine. Mm -hmm. So much of the wine you get, you know, Spanish red wine is so cheap. Um, when I was, again, in Puglia that time, they were having a big argument on the news and in the newspaper because there was an area down near Lecce that grew blood oranges for generations, and the EU had them rip up the blood orange trees and plant kiwis. So if you want to really piss off a southern Italian, just say the word kiwi. kiwi yeah. We were driving on a road between, I think, Gravina and Nochi, like heading from... Uh, from Bari towards Naples in about the middle of the country and there was a big traffic jam and when we finally got to where the traffic jam was there was a kiwi truck that had stopped at a light and a bunch of guys came and tipped it over whoa <laughs> and there were kiwis and they were stomping on them all over the road yeah they're way more hardcore than we are they they riot better they protest better they tip over kiwi trucks better and they're really hardcore about food yeah I mean I just was in Palermo for a few weeks this, mm -hmm. this uh, year, and my son spends a month there. And we were above the Capo Market, which is one of the oldest street markets in Sicily. Every day, amazingly fresh food, on the street, on ice. I had one friend who saw me, I put posted some pictures of all this amazing fish, and she's like, ooh, I can't believe you'd eat that. Yeah, because it's not wrapped in plastic and under, <laughs> under fluorescent lights. Right, for Real weeks. food, right? Mm -hmm. It's real food. Not only is it real food, it's sitting out in the air, it's cold, but it's also collecting natural yeast and all mm -hmm. this good stuff that helps your flora. Um, they're really hardcore about it. And you can, you know, that's what they do. You eat every day. And then the rest of the stuff that they don't sell gets packed up, gets processed into food that gets canned or frozen. But um, when you experience it, and I think that, one of the reasons why America is where it is is people don't get out enough. And I don't mean get out of the house. I mean get out of the country. Oh, for sure. And see the way people live and say, why don't we live that way? Every time I go somewhere, I was in Lima for a week and I came home and was like, I want to live like that. I know. So I want to go to the market every I have day. wanderlust. I want to get out. And I, I agree. I think a lot of our, all of our problems, I believe, is just from the bubble that we all live in. And it may be larger bubbles, but there's not a lot of people that travel in our country internationally and can see what it's like to be an outsider in another country right. and uh, and know what that feels like. So yeah. then they would be a little bit more empathetic or here. You and know? also when they do travel, they go to resorts, they go on tour buses. I mean... We do, I do these tours, but when we do tours, we're, we're like, Hardcore. we're in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we were at pistachio farms. We were, That's awesome. It went everywhere, you know, and we really, really get into it. But yeah, like when my son rents an apartment in Palermo. Every, he's, he's going back to Bologna now. He works and travels, so he, mm -hmm. and his wife does, so they don't have to be home. They work from home. Yeah. But we rented a, an Airbnb for, it was $17 a night. But when my wife showed up, they said, we're going to have to charge you 30 now. I was like, ooh, you know, <laughs> oh, a, a, little one, a little one room apartment. <laughs> yeah. But again, on the market. And when, when you actually, I mean, I could have stayed forever and I may eventually. Mm -hmm. But the first couple of days, it's kind of like novel. But then once you're there for about a week, mm -hmm. 
you start living it yeah and you say my god my life is changing in such a beneficial way Mm -hmm. i don't run out of the house first thing in the morning i don't even look at the internet until lunchtime i have lunch I nap sometimes. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to be selling our business now and moving to Palermo. I'm sorry, everybody. This is the last episode. But, you know, I think that, again, we got, let's get back to the beginning of the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. A healthier approach to eating is not necessarily analyzing everything you eat. Yeah. It's just chilling out mm-hmm. and taking it in a, in a way that this is, you know, you have to eat every day. Yeah. Every meal you eat is not going to be the perfect panacea for your life. And don't sweat it. Right. Don't sweat it. Sometimes you're on the road and you're with four people. You're driving to Ohio. And it's like, oh, okay, we're going to go to, uh, what the hell is that? Can't even think of the name of it. That country cooking joint. Uh, whatever. You know, you're going to get a piece of cow. Paula Deans. You get racism uh, with the chicken. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, glorified chicken. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if, if you worry, if you worry you might as well throw all your turmeric out. Right. You know? Yeah. And to turmeric, let's talk about turmeric. Mm-hmm. Where's it from, right? It's from India India, right. and, and all over uh, Eurasia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always in food. Yep. And it's always in food that normal components would be pulses, probably some meat product, but not always. Um, allium, onions, garlic, ginger, um, probiotics, usually some form of yogurt mm-hmm. uh, or dairy or paneer. Um distribution system for the product and that's what it's all about with me even with supplements it always should be a distribution system for what you're putting into your body yeah you take a turmeric capsule you're going to pee it out right right yeah, no your your body fights it you, yeah it doesn't want to be absorbed that's right. why they put the black pepper in there it causes a drug interaction it, mm-hmm. it makes your stomach accept it more it makes your liver not process it more right and that's a problem if you have other things in there or, you know? if you, or if you put a little curry powder in your chicken soup you're all set right and it'll get distributed, distributed in your body beautifully in the mm-hmm. chicken soup because you have everything you need in chicken soup. Mm-hmm. It is really one of the secrets of, of magic food. So, like, let's do like one closing thought. If if you had to say what food or meal somebody should eat at least daily, I don't think there's anything you should eat every day. It's not the human way. Human will eat. In, in a state of nature, we would eat the same thing until it's gone. We'd sit in that berry patch and eat them until they're gone. Then we'd kill that goat and eat it till it's gone. And then we would, you know, whatever, take those roots and eat them until they're gone. I, I, don't, I don't think you should have to eat anything every single day. I think that's crazy. I think that's part of the stress factor. I need, I need my kale. I need my yogurt. I mean, I do eat, I, use, I buy Tremona yogurt, which is a grass-fed Bulgarian full-fat yogurt, which is the best yogurt I've ever had in my life, sure except for when I was in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. That's where I got turned on to Bulgarian yogurt. It's really tart. It's not strained. It's just the real deal. Mm. I eat a little yogurt just about every day. Mm-hmm. For in the morning, I'll have three or four spoonfuls. I'm talking like I'm not putting granola and nuts and raisins. I'll have a third of a cup of yogurt yeah. and, and two espressos, and I'm out the door. But... Um, not not every day. I think that if you, if you have a mindset that you need to eat everything, something every day, you're crazy. Yeah. I think that if you can focus on three basic things, good vegetables, um, and that's very hard in the winter because it gets really redundant around here, mm-hmm. and you have to make terms, but mm-hmm. don't forget, vegetables that you get here in the winter are coming from Peru, they're coming from Mexico, they're coming from California, they've been picked on ripe, so it's very complicated, right? Um, but don't be afraid to cook them. But vegetables, um, real animal protein. I'm talking grass-fed meat, small fish, really good eggs, grass-fed yogurt or dairy. 
um, and pulses, grains, legumes, again, you know, balance it out. Ba- it's all about balance, man. It's all about balance. You get a little something different every day. And then uh, herbs, herbs in your food. I really, we're back, we're back to the egg. Yeah. Don't be afraid to throw a fistful of basil, a fistful of parsley, a fistful of cilantro, a f- sprigs of rosemary, fresh sage, thyme. Those are the accessible herbs. You can get into lemon verbena and all the other exotic herbs. Herbs seem to have, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? I'm not looking for God-given, mm-hmm. naturally yeah. designed to help enhance the food that you eat in your body. Um, so I'm a big believer in using herbs in your food. Um, my wife one time was having a, someone passed away. She, she, you know, she, there was a bunch of bad stuff happened to her all at once. And she found herself s- sitting in the garden. And while she was sitting in the garden, she just started nibbling on basil and she ended up eating half a basil plant. <laughs> and I said, you know, you just treated your, your depression right there in right. a beautiful mm-hmm. way. She said, I did. And I said, mm-hmm. you're, you're, she didn't even know right. why she right. just, was you know crying about something and eating basil and before you know it she's like you just eating basil like a salad and i said it's got all these great like it's so good for your brain and and the brain passages you know one of the things about mm-hmm. herbs and allium i mean try to get garlic ginger onion in your diet yeah um i know people that you know chew a whole clove of raw garlic every day mm-hmm. again where's the distribution system there well definitely not in vampire school always in oil <laughs> every how many cultures start out with a little oil, a little garlic. A little right. oil, a little garlic and ginger. A little oil, a little onions, garlic and ginger. Yep. There's a reason for that. The peasants are always right. Somebody figured out, not one person, some culture here that spread to there, figured out, ooh, these pungent, strong-flavored things that grow in the dirt, when they're cooked in fat, make us bigger and stronger, make us smarter, make our babies get delivered more easily, make you know us able to chase down that llama that we need to eat. Why did they all figure that out at once? There was no like internet. There was no 10,000 year old guy going village to village saying, hey, cook some allium and fat, man. You guys mm-hmm. gonna live a little longer. Right. They figured it out. To me, that's really something. If you wanna have something in your diet almost every day, it's make sure you get some allium mm-hmm. or some ginger, some rhizomes. Could be ginger, could be turmeric, could be, uh, you know, galanga and a little fat mixing your diet. Awesome. That's all. I don't know. I mean, I could, I could be wrong. I'm 60. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty going, good. going pretty strong. Yeah, you're you know? kicking butt, man. Yeah. Well, I th- want to thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. I think this is super eye-opening. I, I, I can't agree with your philosophy anymore uh, that it's it's really like what we do to ourselves. And we all need to chill out, take uh, an example from everyone else and yeah. and really just enjoy the experience much more. Oh, so. thanks. And and don't be afraid of supplements. Like I said, I'm, I'm not afraid of supplements, but I always have them with food. Yeah. And, and in, in a balanced way. Yeah. You know? Of course. It's good, but then they are helpful. I mean, I have the right ones. The problem is just like with the food industry, they become bastardized mm-hmm. and then they end up, uh, you know, uh, people overtaking because they're overanalyzing everything. And I so, have a question for you. Sure. Let's do it. So I go, I, you know, I don't do as many as I used to, but when I had the restaurant here, I used to go to a lot of wine, wine samplings, wine tastings, taste mm-hmm. 30, 40 wines in mm-hmm. two hours. Right. You're not an alcoholic. It's classy. Yeah, exactly. I'm an alcoholic. I do drink a little alcohol every day, and I put that on my list. You know, a little, an ounce or two of alcohol is good for your soul, just like the cannabis. Um, so, grapes skins yeah. are full of histamines, natural histamines. Yeah. So I've found that if I took two or three capsules of grape seed extract, okay, I didn't get stuffed up. 
Pycnogenol really? also. Mm-hmm. But grapeseed extract is a natural antihistamine. Yeah. But when we talk about hol- holistic eating, right? So you're drinking wine, which is made from the skin and juice of grapes, mm-hmm. and you get stuffed up. But then you eat the supplement with the seeds yeah. of grape, and you don't get stuffed up. Because there's other up. ingredients in the wine that are histamine releasing. We mm-hmm. actually had an es- expert on histamine and histamine related uh, diseases. And there are foods that are rich in histamine that would make some people, like very small percentage of people, stuffed up and have mm-hmm. problems. And there's some that release it. And alcohol is one of them. It's less the, 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 the grape part and more the alcohol part. Mm-hmm. I think the fermentation process is probably what does it. But yeah, and grape seed extract is is not taking any of that outside. It's just taking the internal piece. But it works well. Works under, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really great naturally occurring antihistamines. What I tell people, you know, we deal a lot with the Lyme culture, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about having Lyme disease and treating the infection and dealing with the aftermath for people. It's like, I need these 30 herbs and I feel better when I'm on the herbs. And I try to tell people, plants have natural and anti-inflammatory compounds yeah. so the reason you feel better is because of the the reduction of inflammation you could eat a salad and probably have that same thing depends you know, depends you on what you might have to eat a lot of salad to get what you right. get one well, capsule I guess, yeah more herbs and such yeah, <laughs> yeah but but you're but yeah eating ingesting these things from your food may be uh the real secret and save you a ton of money and then you'd be healthier too so yeah because in allergy season um i find myself taking pycnogenol a lot yeah which is mm-hmm. pine bark extract which yeah. is oh so the pine trees are blooming and they're making me stuffed up my guard my yard's full of them so i, I can't eat the bark but i could in, in a supplement form bioflavonoids are really uh great so that's the colorful parts of the fruits and such mm. and the vegetables and those are uh really good some of them are even mast cells stabilizing the the balloons that have all the histamine mm. they can pop easy so when you take lots of bioflavonoid rich foods you can stabilize those quite there you bit. go so yeah that's thank it. you sir you're welcome sir thank you yeah it was fun Thanks, Rick, for coming in and giving us a really great perspective on pretty much everything. Uh, I'm moving to Palermo, it seems. I I hope that you were equally motivated to travel and really get into the local cuisine of wherever you visit. More importantly, Rick's got some sage wisdom in there. You know, from a wellness perspective, I believe it's our uniquely problematic lifestyle here in the States that sets off the chain reaction of unhealthy decisions one after another. We're too busy. We're too stressed. We don't make eating good, healthy food important. And as we said in previous episodes, we don't make sleep important. We don't make important things important. And as a result, our health suffers. The old American ways aren't working. You have to make time for actually living your life. And I think Rick's big message that I'm going to do a better job of championing is save your life like you'd savor a good meal. For more Rick Orlando, go to rickorlando.com. That's R-I-C-O-R-L-A-N-D-O.com. Buy his books, check out his videos, and even sign up to go travel the world with him and take your food knowledge to a whole new level. He's a podcaster too, so listen to One Million String Beans wherever you podcast from. But please don't eat one million string beans, though, at least not in one sitting, because that's far too much fiber. That's it for this week. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well.